Welcome to Talk Design, the show where creatives have conversations. I'm Adrian Ramsey and I'm your host. Having lived a life of design myself, I wanted to share with you the creatives that inspire me and in turn may inspire you. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoy. Hi, I'm Adrian Ramsey, and I'm your host on Talk Design. I started this podcast because I wanted to share the journey of design that I've had and that many others have had, and I find it inspirational talking to people globally about what makes design tick and what makes design create a better world for others. My journey has taken me from clothing globally, women's swimwear, performance sportswear, mountaineering, yachting, all these kind of genres where each place I would learn more and more about different specifics and how clothing can support those. Also, I've worked in innovation as a systematic innovation trainer and worked with the aerospace industry as well as the marketing industry and the design industry. And all my years of design Still my favourite is the built structure and interiors. In years of travel and discovery, I constantly look at what the emotions are that are created by the built space. I consider myself a student of design for my whole life and will go on that way. Some of the things that I do to support this is my podcast, and then workshops and masterclasses where I teach people about trends and design thinking and tours where I take people on tour with me and we go and discover different points of architecture or interior design globally. I always think that when you're passionate about something, one of the things that you should do is is you should share it. And so creating the podcast was my way of sharing my enthusiasm and the enthusiasm of others and their passions around design with you. I hope you really enjoy it. And I ask you, would you please drop us a line? Tell us what you think. Tell us what got you excited. It's so inspiring when we get messages from our listeners that tell us about the things that shifted in their life because of who they listen to. And it gives me the inspiration to dig deeper and find more people that I can bring to your ears so that you live a better design life. My guest on Talk Design today is Jen Pajitsibo from Doman Architecture in Sacramento, California. Jen, uh, we've had you know quite a few chats over the years, and um, I find you just the most fascinating person as CEO of Doman. And I love how you think and process. And I was lucky enough to spend some time in a team with you recently this year and to see how your mind works in that sort of process structured way. I love that. But you know, I also know you're a creative who studied interior design yeah. and yeah. you run a bunch of creatives. So welcome to the show and let's talk about all things to do with, hey, first of all, you, I want to understand more about you and let our listeners understand that. And then about, you know, the process and teams and how you run this business, uh, because you do an incredible job and there's a lot to be learned from you. So welcome. 
Thank you so much, Adrian. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, it's really cool. Really, really cool. Um, let's start with Jenna being this uh kid who somehow <laughs> <laughs> but if every when we release the the uh, YouTube on this, you'll be able to see just how young Jenna is as well. So when I say kid, um she was a kid not too long ago, not like me. I was a kid a long time ago. Um Let's start with that piece and just tell us a little bit about your history and your for somebody who carries so much process thinking, um, how you ended up in interior design or studying interior design. That would be really cool. Yeah, I'll take you back into my college years. I had no idea what I wanted to do, but my mom mentioned some sort of design. So I looked into graphic design, interior design. I looked into architecture as well, and I sunk myself right into interior design for studying and mm -hmm. excelled in that. And so I got my degree in interior design. I worked for a few interior designers in the Bay Area out of college, and it didn't fit my creative juices. I felt I felt oh, I wanted okay. to be challenged, um, which is why I looked at for an architecture position of drafter of sorts just to yep. kind of get myself into it and Domum became so natural um, the founder of Domum is Timothy Alatori and he created this company that was ba based off of you know feeling like family the process innovation understanding and solving problems and I really fell really naturally into that that role yep. and ever since i mean it's been six years now and i haven't left and i haven't said one day that i don't want to be doing this and architecture has just been a lot a lot of fun for me and very challenging because i do like to be challenged um not to say that interior design doesn't challenge me but it's its own animal in itself um, they, they are very separate beasts aren't they they are yeah well, whilst they whilst they have to kind of pack together and mm -hmm. they have to run together they are yeah. They're different animals, you know. One could be a, a, a cat and the other could be, you know, a dog or a horse, you know. Yeah. But they have to work together to get to an outcome. Absolutely. And we do that all the time. Like, we, I have a background in interior design, but I love working with creative interior designers that have their own process as well. Because going hand in hand with architecture, doing what you do best and your expertise in that field, and then interior designer doing what they do best, it blends a design and, an, and a project very well together. Yeah. So when we work on process, we like bringing those people on as soon as possible because you want to make sure that they're in the front running of what the project starts with, right? Mm -hmm. And understanding what the project's uh, limitations are, what were constraints that we're working with so that they're not coming in during construction and saying, hey, I want to change this, this and that. And that changes structural, that changes architectural plans, that changes all of you're the not, fields. You're not wrong. There. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's one thing that I really pride myself on um, making sure that if they do have any additional trades that are going to be assisting the project, that they are brought on very early in, in the process. Yeah, right. Uh, I, I want and, to jump back to something. Sure. There. Um, I, I'm with you. Sorry, I, I probably shouldn't have interrupted then. I want to jump back to something because it came to me when you were talking. But the, that point that you were just making then, which was 
about them being integrated together in the process so that yeah. so that the outcome can be secured i want to i want to go to that as a as a subject but i want to ask yeah. another question from very back right back at the start so let me just make one note um yeah. integration can't do two things at once can't write and talk um because I know you're so good with process. I know I'm going to get something from that. I want to jump right back to your mum told you maybe interior design. Mm -hmm. How many other things have you done that your mum told you? No, I'm kidding. What I want to know is, is (laughs) (laughs) was why did she think interior design? Obviously you showed a whole lot of creative things and what tipped you over to doing interior design versus one of those other things, whether instead of doing architecture or one of those others that you could have done, what was the, what was the tipping thing or who was the person that you attached to that you went, Oh yeah, that person did this. There's, you know, what, there was something because you could have chosen multiple of them. And because you're such a good learner, and such a good, you know, you're a good student as well. Like, you know what I mean? Like you you mm-hmm. can academically apply yourself and you will create the process if the process doesn't exist to get you to the outcome. So why why did you choose that one out of those paths? Well, to start with my mother, uh, mm-hmm. she, as I grew up, she saw me do a lot of creative things. So I did a lot of dance, art, anything extra trick extracurricular activity wise I I didn't really go through to sports but I did like a lot of like yearbook and graphic design and really took that on in in my high school years so she was coming from that side where she saw that I had the eye and I could do something with sort of design in some capacity and then those were the options that came to it when I looked at focusing on interior design I honestly, I, I'll be frank with you. It it wasn't really a particular person. It it was what schools can I get into in California, and which degree can I get in a certain period of time to so that I can start my career. And I was very career driven from the beginning, where right. I did a lot of volunteering during school, doing outreach, doing projects that you know are nonprofit and uh-huh. help the school district or. Um, that the professors were able to send to us. And that really helped me guide myself to say, I know this is a tangible degree that I can excel at and that I enjoy doing rather than doing something that I really maybe wouldn't be interested in. And I wanted to be able to utilize my degree in my career. And and it meant that, yeah, that's actually a really good point as well, but that doesn't surprise me in the slightest with you. You wanted (laughs) to take take something that you could use and then use it, not study something and then go off on another tangent. Um, And the other thing of um, wanting to get your career started, so you didn't want to spend maybe seven years studying something when you could spend a a shorter amount of time and and get your your degree started. Uh, Sorry, get your career started. Um. I think that's really interesting and it speaks to who you are mm-hmm. like so much that um you know you you're on a you're on a mission as such and then the other thing that came out of that that was really fascinating is that you always saw a greater picture in the fact of you know doing all those things to help your community to help your school to help whatever it is always looking well beyond yourself um 
well, at a at a young age as well, like actually being, yeah. you know, broad minded, um, without being scattered or lost, broad minded with purpose. Uh, I think that's it's certainly a testament to your success so far. And uh, you know, give it another twenty years, we'll see what it's done then. Um, but yeah, fascinating. That's really yeah. cool. Okay, let, I needed to hear that piece, like <laughs> to get it in my head. Um, integrating process let's jump back to where we were because yeah. I, I wrote a note so I can remember um <laughs> when you've got this thing uh you know it, it's um I want to say you know chicken and egg it, it's cart and horse it's mm-hmm. at what point do you integrate this process of the you've got I always like to think there's a there's a team of people that make any design happen and there's mm-hmm. that means there's a team in the design office um, and then there's also, and, and that may not be, you know, in some cases it might be a single design person, but let's just go that there's more than, and then there's, you know, your like your engineering people, there's your county people, there's your um, builder that's going to build it, or whether it's going to go out to tender and be different builders that are going to tender it. And then there's also the client, the key team member is the client. So mm-hmm. when you're taking all these, you know, I kind of think it's like a jigsaw puzzle and they've got to come in. They can come in at different times, but they've still got to come in in a fashion that creates a picture. Absolutely. And it's, you know, that's people can't sit out of that team forever, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and then clients, there's usually couples as well, you know, like, so that's the other thing. Tell me how you take that, those pieces of that jigsaw puzzle and integrate them, um, especially between that interior and architecture. Yeah, I think I'll take a step back and just say that one of the, a big misconception about architecture and design, if either if you're working with an interior designer or you're working with an architect, it's not one person. And you can say maybe a team, one of your team members is working on a project, but it's not one person completing a project to have a successful construction mm-hmm. build, right? So when you bring in multiple trades, you bring in consultants, you bring in experts in their field, you want to make sure that they're given the opportunity to one review and um, oversee the process as well. So one thing that we do well at is integrating those meetings with if you have a general contractor and an interior designer, or that's for a residential project, we also do commercial, you can have a kitchen designer, you could have uh, your dad could be the electrical engineer on the project. We like to have those people on those calls to review the plans while uh, we're going through the design process to one, get their feedback on what's mm-hmm. happening, but also mm-hmm. make sure that they're clear on the expectation of what the design and the architecture is going to end up being like. Um, mm-hmm. If you don't, you're going to be doing a lot of rebudgeting and a lot of additional services for change orders on a later date in the process because not all the trades or all the experts have been able to review the plans. So when you have interior designer in specific, I'll go back to her, her or he, whoever, yeah. um, or they. Yeah, they... I was about to say, <laughs> let's not go <laughs> down that clarify. rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> clarify. They, um, they have their own eye that they're looking for. And mm. also they're thinking about the materials that they're going to be applying to the project too. So, um making sure that they're one okay with the 2d which is a floor plan mm-hmm. 
mm -hmm. the 3D, which is elevations. And then you get into renderings, you get into perspectives, you get into that, how the ceilings are interacting, getting them part of each of those pieces of the design process has an enormous benefit to your success of the project later on. Um, if you don't and you have an interior designer come after, it, it that's where it, it hits you hard, where the designer has their own aspect and own perspective of the project without understanding how we got there. So having those calls and having those touch bases with the entire team there and the property owner or developer, whoever it may be, yeah. um, gives them the, the confidence to have a successful design. And we do well at that. And not every project does need every single trade or every single consultant. But if it's a bigger project, we absolutely to, do recommend yeah. it. And we may require it depending on the scale. So yeah. making sure that they are part of the process from the beginning is huge. Um, and I say beginning when you do design. Uh, we do feasibility studies as well sure. to start projects. And they don't really need to be part of that because that's our investigation yeah. portion researching on the property, understanding the limitations, the zoning restrictions, and what we're able to do on the property. And once you start the design process, that's when the best time to do it. Not when you're doing construction documents for permitting. <laughs> that's a very exactly. bad time to bring exactly. them in. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I get that. that uh, and as you say, it's all about communication up early. So it's about mm -hmm. um, pulling the team together and understanding who the team will be and then when you're going to apply each member of that team to the process mm -hmm. um yeah at what points will you apply them because that's yeah. that's critical to uh to to keeping it flowing and then often um i say this from my own experience often the client is the least educated team member but the one who has everything at stake so That's something I wrote down before coming on this call, <laughs> I, you know, the biggest thing that we need to do as designers and architects is educate. Mm -hmm. There are so many things at stake and you are so correct in saying that it's money, it's time, it's personal, it's business, you know, anything that's related to the project is going to be impacting the outcome of the result. Right. Yeah. So doing feasibility studies up front that's educating the property owner the developer uh -huh. yeah and to do that you want need to know the full scope of the project so you can investigate what they want out of the project and then we can provide them with what they are actually able to do on the so project. getting right that right on that point getting the full scope of a project Mm -hmm. from a client who doesn't understand what the full scope of a project means you know they're thinking let's just go resi here they're thinking um i want to be cooking for my friends in my kitchen yep and you're you're talking about you know the letterbox in the driveway or the the curbing or the mm -hmm. fencing or the gardens how how you know like or whatever it is yeah um and and you've got clients who you often couples, um, and one will be like on board and understanding, and the other will be you know away with the fairies, like going, oh yeah, that, that, that she's got that or he's got that, you know, like, um, and it, it's like, yeah, like 
how, how do you do that? <laughs> well, I think one of the things that um, I really go towards is like sometimes architects and interior designers are therapists in some ways. Yeah. Where you were, you were just saying, oh, they need therapy. And you one or the other. Yeah. And because, you know, you could have a couple that has never done a construction project before, yeah. but they have two ideas. One of them's looking at budget and one was looking at, I want it to look a certain way, right? Or, or feel so a certain way. Even right, uh, look drivers, is easier than feel. Yeah. Their drivers are dictating the result of the project, but also that it hinders the, pro the process. So making sure that they're all on the same page at the beginning of a feasibility study so that they know what they're going to get out of the result of that feasibility study so that they know what they can do with the project will help the design process go a lot smoother and providing them with a list of who they need to bring on board because without them understanding that it's not just an architect it's a structural engineer it's a trust designer it's a title 24 energy compliance engineer there's a Cal Green code requirements for California. There's um, an interior designer, fire sprinklers if you need them, um, a landscape architect, you know, and I can go on, but. <laughs> yeah, because that isn't the whole list. <laughs> right, it's not the whole list. But if you don't know that that exists, then. But don't architects just draw some pictures? Know? I know everyone comes, you know, not everyone. I won't say that. You yeah. know, some people they call and they're like, I just need plans. And that's that's not what we do. We don't just give you yeah. plans. There's a there's you a, can go a online, you can go online and find those. You can get some plans do. online. Yeah. And, and then you're still them. gonna need those other 300 people, Jenna, just talking. Exactly. <laughs> you totally do. I, oh, you're speaking my language right now. It's you know, even if someone comes with a design, we still have to recreate it. We, you know, we're liable for the plans yeah. that we need to produce. And I guarantee if you buy something online, you're not gonna want it exactly like it is, and you're gonna want to change certain things to make oh, it. Oh no, no, no. I promise you I want it exactly as <laughs> exactly it is. Exactly like it, yeah. Just just could you move my vanity? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or move a window and I'm like, oh yeah. okay, that changes everything. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Um I'm glad I'm glad we're on the same page here. <laughs> I, I think this is such a like, you know, look for the listeners. There will be plenty of architects, interior designers that listen and will be going, yeah, you're so right. You're so right. And then for the people who are in the, you know, the public as such, um, they'll be going, huh? Um, mm -hmm. Because they come with an outcome in mind. Yeah. And with that outcome in mind, it's, they're seeing a finished product. Okay. And, mm -hmm. you know, I think this is a, a, an interesting segue that I'm going to use here. Just we might go back. Let's just see if I can. <laughs> let's see if I can pull this off. Um, they come with the outcome in mind, and the outcome in mind that they have is full of emotions and and feelings, mm -hmm. as well as it's got um, a a value, a dollar value attached to it, which also has an investment of value attached to it as well. More often than not, they're saying if I spend this much money. Will I be? Will it be worth more later? You know, mm -hmm. um, so that they've kind of got this running in their head, you know, and all the dinner parties they've been to with friends talking about, oh, yeah, we built this and now it's worth this. You know, people see it kind of as, especially in, not in all of our Western world, but in a lot of our Western world, as sort of a a wealth 
dynamic or play as well. Mm-hmm. And then you come back from that to um, it, the, the emotional stage that they're in and where they're trying to get to. And, and often that's either built from running away from something they've currently got. Mm-hmm. You know, this thing doesn't suit my needs, so I want this thing over here if they're lucky enough to, you know, be having a cu- a new custom home so they're right. making that choice and then they want they they recognize a significant amount of money so then they're saying i want these things for me you know that becomes very important it's about them um and then we we keep winding that back so that's where they're coming from and you're talking about yeah well your lot says that you know i can't do this i can't do that mm-hmm. and all the rest and they've already purchased a lot so they're already in they haven't come yeah. to you because they're purchasing a lot. They, they did that with the real estate agent. They've already crossed the line and they've shelled out a whole lot of big bucks to own the spot. And then they go, oh, what do you mean it's got this easement through it or I can't do this mm-hmm. or I can't. I own this. No, you don't. You own the right to use it pretty much and sell it again. Um, and where I wanted to go with this was, when people look at architectural fees and they think that it's just a drawing of a, of a house or you know, whatever, um, that isn't what that isn't what you're being. It is what you're being paid for. It's what they're going to end up with, mm-hmm. but it's it's only the small part of what you're being paid for. Yet it's the most important part of the genius that makes it ha- makes it into theirs. Mm-hmm. How do you get with clients? How do you um, educate them that this process is got time and that it's got it, the job can't be done without it and yeah. it's got lots of sets of value in there and how well you manage that value determines how well they stand in their kitchen and cook us you know, an egg you know yeah so I'll start with they want an ROI the return on their investment you know, mm-hmm. that's their result. That they're See that process brain? Just boom. There, there you go. <laughs> I heard you when you said it. Um, <laughs> and they are looking at the result. They don't know how to get there. And that's what Domum's process does. So we have a process called the Domum delivery method. Mm-hmm. Um, this is our proprietary method that provides you a, literally a direct roadmap to how to go from a start of a project to a finished product. And it's a lot to to take in, but the reason why we lay it out and we are very transparent about the process of how to get to a successful built project um, is because there's a lot of red tape. There's a lot of jurisdictional zoning restrictions that we need to make sure we navigate up front so that you're not running up against it later on. Um, So every part of the Dumb Delivery Method, we call it the DDM for short, it breaks down each of the phases of the project. So your pre-design phase always starts with the feasibility study, your initial options, what can you do, and then do you want to move forward? And we provide those that layout in our feasibility study. You know, what does that entail? What team members do you need in that, in, in the success of the project? And then you dive into design. That's first step yeah so you do the you do all the diagnostics so that you know that you can what where you can design what yep so you know what the parameters are that you're going to either stick to Mm -hmm. or um 
they're going to pay for you to break them. Yeah. And I, I'll take a step back. I When you were talking about it, I immediately thought about we have two developers that we work with. And one of the things that they love is feasibility studies because they actually look for properties without purchasing them and then do a feasibility study with us to see if they want to purchase with them. So they do it the step before. And they've had thanked me. They've sent me wine. They've sent me gifts like about wow, I shouldn't have bought that. I should never have The, the number of times you saved them. Yeah, because they're not going down the road before they're getting mm-hmm. there. Like, it's it's interesting that, one, they are so happy with me telling them that they're not going to get what they want out of it because they, they probably come to me saying, hey, I want to build this many units. This yeah, I need many, this yield. I need, I need this, this return on this. Yeah, right. 100%. But they can't. They physically yeah. can't. And, but that's, that's the, one of the better reasons why we do feasibility studies so that they know that, but they do it the step before. And, but they're business people, Mm -hmm. they're business people understanding it. So their emotions are driven by a different set of, yeah, well, money and also probably community. And uh, Mm -hmm. yes, whilst they're, they're looking for a return on the money part of it, somewhere in there, there, there's some other tech that says, you know, this is the way I'm going to make that money. Yeah. You know, they could choose other ways. It's like you choosing interior design because it got you on the career path quicker than mm-hmm. maybe architecture would have. Um, so they they are doing the same thing. They're going, okay, well, what's the, how am I going to make this money that I want? Or I'm passionate about housing or by, or, you know, um, commercial, you know, development. How can I do that? Like, how can I, how can I be a part of that? And then they're making money from that. Somewhere in there, there's going to be another tie. But a but a resi client doesn't come from that. Um, think that's why they buy the land and then they say, this is what I've got. <laughs> yeah. They say, this is what I got. I just want to build on it, right? So can you imagine? There... Can you imagine? Sorry to interrupt. If can okay. you imagine if if we went to um all the real estate agents and said, so um we, with all the land, like every piece of clear land or, you know, even even redevelopable land, um, before you sell it to anybody, you should have a, uh, you know, I'm trying to think of what the right words are, um, a duty of care to have a full feasibility study done on that across these different project types. And um, they'd be I like, know. no way, you're not yeah. standing in the way of me selling this piece of land. Yep. <laughs> they don't want it. But that that would be mind blowing for the property owner, the, the soon to be property owner, right? It, it so would be they, beyond mind blowing. They would be like, that's all I can do, or that's what I can do. Mm-hmm. Like those are the realizations and a reality check of what can you do on the property and and the limitations, but also the the best part is what can you end up having which could be even better than you expected too. hundred so. percent. That's where the design creativity innovation mm-hmm. element of, um, you know, we'll say architecture or, or any design comes in is here's my limitations. What can I, um, what can I create with that? You know, it's, uh, there's a, a saying, um, something like adversity is the mother of invention. 
Um, you know, like it, this, as soon as things are, are hard, then people go to work. They really yeah. go to work. They they go, there's a problem worth solving here. Um, yeah. When it's easy, that people don't go to work. You know, they just roll it out. Well, mm. it, it, it goes back to when just the start of educating, but then also um, I also think it's advocating, right? So we advocate for the property owners to get them as close as we can to their dream of what they want, right? Maybe we do get them their dream, but with the information that we get, through the design development process is how we narrow down those specifics of how they end up want their dreams and needs and wants to end up. Um, we do uh, virtual reality as well. We offer that as a package in, in our, uh, in, it's, in our it's our one of our proposals and it's in our, um, oh my gosh, I'm forgetting it. Um, well, we offer a three-tier proposal, and the yeah. highest one includes the uh, yeah. virtual reality experience. And we've had clients that come in, and they are walking through, and they're like, "I want to sit down in my house right mm -hmm. now." Like they want, they almost like fall over because they want to sit there, or they want to start cooking in their kitchen. And those experiences you won't get until it's done built. But with reality, virtual reality, you can experience it before it's even built or done. And there's small changes you can still make. And that's when they can feel and be in the home without physically being in their home. And AI, things like that, that's in full development right now. And there's a lot that we can learn from even like, you know, 3D scanning, you know, of mm -hmm. existing conditions of houses mm -hmm. and what we're learning for um like Matterport does a lot of, you know, the point systems and BIM models and things like that. So it helps us identify what they love about the space and also what they, what we could even impactfully uh, make better too, when we see their faces and have them experience that. Yeah. Wow. I, do you, do you think that um, VR is like you know a huge part of the future for this um for people being as as building costs have risen so much recently but like mm -hmm. as people being more sure in taking the process but they've still got to go down the design process to get to the VR so yeah. they're already going to make a significant um investment to get to that point mm -hmm. But I suppose, you know, let's just say that, you know, they've spent you know, 100 grand on design fees. Um, they're still way better off than uh, having spent, you know, millions on a build and then going. On a build and then going to do a revision because they don't like something. Yeah. That's, that's why it's great to have those trades and experts in the beginning in early. of your design process. Mm -hmm. So you're not having to do that later. Because we we had one client that came in and their general contractor actually joined them for the, the experience to see the virtual reality of the space because they were looking at budgeting and doing pre-construction. Um, yeah, pre-construction pre control. Uh, yeah, yeah, budget control. And, and yeah. that, that was eye-opening for the client because they kept adding things on during that meeting. And I'm like, you know, that's an add-on that's going to cost more. If you vault this area, it's going to yeah. cost more, you know. 
And, but they, it was a sticker shock situation, but they, what the reality of what they wanted during seeing it in virtual reality gave them a great perspective on where can we cut versus where do we have to have now? Some mm-hmm. things you can change later on. The structure mm-hmm. itself, you can't, but. Well, it's you not can, easy. but it's horribly it's expensive. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, and if you're doing new construction, you want to get it right the first time. And that's why we have these reviews where you can walk through it. You do see it in 2D, 3D and virtual reality so that you see those processes um, and you so, go through it to make sure that it's exactly, you know, what so you're doing. So I've got this, I've got this um, futuristic question with this. Why wouldn't um, you take just a, a fairly regular floor plan? You know, like nothing too special, but one, you know, maybe where the sun comes up on the east and that's your bedroom and um, the kitchen overlooks, you know, uh, out across a pool, say, and, you know, the en suites yeah. like this. And the, the layout is... Um, is uh functionally works and uh, i'm trying to think of how you do this anyway play with me here yeah. <laughs> so, you, so yeah vision, visualize this without vr and so you do this and you just build this place um with just the minimum amount of windows that you need, uh, absolutely everything. And what you do is, is when you wake up in the morning, you put on your VR goggles and you experience that place um, as however decorated, however it is, the chair will be where the chair is, the kitchen bench will be where the kitchen bench. But you never take the damn things off. You just leave it on and then you go, we want to remodel, honey. So we don't move things around or redecorate would be better than remodel. So, okay, Okay. let's just pay somebody to put some new cushions on the couch. They're the same cushions, a new throw. They're the same throw that you had before. Um, You you watch the TV through the VR or whatever. You go, wouldn't it be amazing that we lived in the mountains? So you look out your windows and there's just mountain scenes. And then on the other side of it, you go, oh, yeah, we should go to the beach for the summer. And so you put on your goggle or you've got your goggles on and you dial in the beach. And so then you're in your beach house or lake house or whatever. And the VR could take care of it. You don't actually, you could function in that space and it would seem fresh and new. And it could, um, you know, you could be at the pyramids one day and, you know, Puerto Rico the next, you know. You, is that, is that the future? Well, you're sounding like you're in a Black Mirror episode. I don't know if you've ever seen that show, but <laughs> it's 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 a futuristic show, and it's exactly. I mean, every it's episode, that. Different. and yeah. but one of them is about virtual reality, and people make that their reality, and that's how they live. To say that that couldn't happen, it, I I don't want to say that because. I absolutely think that it already has happened in some capacity where you can just change where you are and live in the house that you live in, but as if you're in the mountains or on the beach or wherever it may be. Change the music. Yeah. Even, even in our system that we use, we can change where the sun is during the day, Uh during, you know, in the video, you can change the location, um, the elevation, the season, you know, everything is there. It's, I think, what's different about 
maybe the future is that people will mix interpret what's reality versus yeah virtual well, reality yeah i mean you could be in a trailer home in the middle of the desert and we yeah. could have you as long as you put your goggles on and mm -hmm. put the right tunes on the sound system you could be you know living at the beach you could be Malibu yeah. beachfront yeah. beachfront watching people surf by you if that's what your reality that your reality wants to be then you can if you think about it you vision it there's what those google goggles or google yeah. glasses you yeah. can see things on the lens and yeah. you're doing it's doing something different than what you're like sitting in like it would be a second screen on your yeah and your eyes that you're looking at and i mean there would be a lot of daydreaming that's for sure <laughs> yeah true it, it, i look at it and i go um certainly when people are making a significant investment which to build anything is a significant investment whether you've got a lot of money or a little money it's still going to be a significant investment and it's also going to um i take this attitude that the minute we build something we ruin that piece of the landscape um we add to it we don't have to ruin it but we do ruin where the land sits underneath the house etc you know we we alter that from how it was ever first made or intended you know yeah. by nature um so we've got this huge responsibility as to what we put on the face of the earth because it can be removed but it won't be necessarily be restored back to what it ever was Right. Um, and mm -hmm. you know, that's neither here nor there in a lot of cases. Um, so when we do that, there is there's this investment, and there's this not only that, there's this spot on the landscape that we've we've altered. Yeah. Um, it gives people VR gives people a lot of certainty about uh, that it is worth and worth spending or worth investing that money to get to that and then how will that emotionally support them um to live the life that they're trying to live yeah like you mentioned a little earlier you're saying like their end result is all they're seeing mm -hmm. so to get there to see their end result a lot sooner than what they physically can do yeah it it will help them get their path forward yeah I will be honest, the everyday person that walks in or that calls for, you know, a new construction residential build most likely does not know how to read plans. So yeah. for them to experience it in 3D helps them visualize it more intently and understanding that the design will end up being what their dreams are or what their wants are. And that's, that's what we want. We want them to be happy. We want them to... Yeah, we want to we, we want to we were two things I thought more than two may even the things that we're trying to do is take them from where they are to where they want to be uh and if this sounds wrong but it's true they don't know where they want to be they know a piece of where they want to be and then then discovering that journey of where they're going to be and where they want to be is going to be self-discovery on their part mm -hmm. as well as discovery for the designer on their part you know mm -hmm. so the designer's listening intently to where they're where they're going but you know it's like you say oh well, you might go I'm going to drive to New York okay which way are you going to go mm -hmm. okay where are you going to stop 
oh, so if you see something interesting there, you planned the stop that evening, but you're not going to stop at that one to have an extra look. No, no, I'm just going to keep driving right by, even though it looks really good. I'll do that another time. Okay. You don't do that in designing your house. Okay. You know, like you, you, you yeah. yeah, you, you, you've got opportunities, and you've whilst you've got to stay on a track or down a road, you've got opportunities, okay. and you want to make the most of those opportunities as you do things as well, because you, you're discovering and you're discovering yourself. Yeah, mm. absolutely. It's a, it's, it's complex. This is a complex <laughs> world. <laughs> um, complex line of work. <laughs> yeah, it, exactly. And I, I think the thing of understanding that, A, you know, like, so you're CEO, and that means that what you're doing is, is you're actually kind of wrangling the team that's going to create this complex, complex monster at the end, which has to be, you know, go from being the beast to the beauty kind of thing. It's got a, it's, yeah. it goes through that. It grows as it goes, you know, it grows into something. And then, mm -hmm. so that's one part that you do and then having processes and stuff so that you can do it successfully yeah. and then educating the client. No, but there's something you said there, which was not only just educating the client, um, that almost sounds like you're talking down. I don't think that's in the slightest, but it almost like when you say, oh, I'm educating the client. Um, but you said advocating for the client. Yeah. And um, I think that that's like such a shift in words, even though in both cases you mean the same thing or it's a crossover, but you're yeah. advocating for their dreams and hopes and things and showing them ways that those can become real. Yeah. Whereas in the, rather than just educating them and saying, okay, well, now that we've taught you, what do you want to do? Mm -hmm. It's a real hand-holding journey and for the developers as well. Yeah. Well, and, and that's the one thing that I think that we do really well at. We have the Dublin 3 guarantee and advocate is one of those words, collaborate and communicate. So we're never going to be not telling you the bad news, but we do want to make sure that you're, we're transparent with you about the process. So like, advocation and to advocate for someone doesn't start with just designing it. It could end up being we're advocating for you at the building department. If they're mm. not responding and it's taking too much time, we understand that that time is money for you. So we're pushing them to get answers, whether or not they give them to us, because sometimes they don't respond. Yeah. So that's a whole nother, another conversation. Yeah. That's, that's, um, uh, yeah, that's not even a podcast I want to make. <laughs> I know. But those types of things is all of these can, in every instance and in every phase of the project can relate to the property owner, the consultants differently and how we collaborate, how we communicate and how we advocate for our team as a whole to have a successful project We'll make sure that we get there, right? So, so what were they? They were three things. They were communicate, advocate, and collaborate. Collaborate. I love that. So, collaborations with our team members, our clients, and our consultants. 100%. Communicate with everyone. With everyone. The process. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then advocate for for the, the client project. Yeah. And oh, and the, actually, that's a really good way of putting that as well. The needs of project. Like mm -hmm. what? What the, you're advocating for the needs that the project has, plus yep. whilst whilst managing all this for the client, mm -hmm. which mm. is it's a lot of work to manage one project. <laughs> you know, they, any scale of a project, 
it's the yeah. same amount of effort and it's the same amount of time that we want to give to that person, give to the team, give to that project. Yeah. You know, you can say a small addition, but that's, you have to do the same stuff for a new construction project. It's just the scale is probably different. So actually that's a really, I'd love to touch on that, you know, because again, for people who are going to embark on this journey and for, you know, architects and designers who are listening to this, um, how do you, how do how do you communicate this to your client? I mean, you've, you've got your dome and delivery method that communicates this to your client. But the, the, the key is here is, is in communicating it to your client in the way that they need to hear it or understand it is really yeah. critical, you know? So what, how we make sure that it's communicated well is what's your next step? What do we need to do as your architect and what do you need to do as a client to successfully finish that phase or successfully finish that that milestone of the project? Um, making sure that there's, you know, A, B, and C need to be done before this. You know, um, if applications need to be signed, how do you need to sign them? Give them a written document of, hey, you need to sign this page and this, you need to acknowledge this, things like that. And how, how much time for review as well? You know, the longer the client reviews something the longer the process is going to take to finish mm -hmm. so um we always make sure that they know that this is being sent to them on this date the next time we are setting up a call to review that set so that they can have time to absorb it then we make sure we implement the changes or comments or change or concerns that they have on the on the process but all of that is communicated to them as a next step this is once this is complete, this will happen next. This happen and, next. Yeah. 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 And it's yeah. always it's always one thing after another, but it gets them to hit milestones within those phases so that they know, okay, once I'm doing done with this, I can move on to that. And now I'll start seeing the elevations or I'll start seeing the 3D or I'll start seeing construction documents. I, I think this is like so that. important to understand for, for clients to understand that, you know, if you follow the process, you can get there. And mm -hmm. if if the um, designer or architect doesn't have a process, then you're going to wander in the weeds. And if they yep. client doesn't, if they do have a process, then you're a one one step better off right away, and making the choice of yep. the right person. If um if they do have a process, is that process one that you're prepared to follow? Because mm -hmm. if you're not prepared to follow it, then it's not going to be a match made in heaven and you're not going to end up in your utopia. You know, you're not going to end up where you want yeah. to be. And I will speak for everyone. Not every client that comes or inquiry that comes to you is going to be your client. And that's okay. It may yeah. not be because you don't want to work with them. It could be they don't want to work with you. Mm -hmm. And it could be because of process. It could be because of time or constraints or outside, you know, influences that are influencing the production of the project. But like, it's okay to say no. It's okay to have to take the time to make sure it's a project that you want to bring on um, or a client that you want to bring on. It could yeah. it could be a project type you like, but maybe the client isn't really what you're looking for or vice versa. And um, I think one thing that we've gotten so much better at is being able to say no and identifying these are the type of clients and these are the type of projects we want in, in, our, in our field. So yeah. Yeah, um, it's fascinating. It's so cool. It's so cool. And this is where, you know, CEO thinking comes in um, and leadership thinking comes into 
mm-hmm. creating things so that the clients are advocated for, basically. It, it just yeah. And it means that you can run a successful business while advocating for the client. It, it works both ways. Yeah. I love it. Um, do you want to tell me about, say, team, your team? And um, as a manager, um, leader, uh, and how you how you do that? What sort of tell us? It's not about just that. me. I will oh. tell you, it's not just me. No. I I couldn't do what I do um, without my team, and we have a a large executive team that we all support each other, and we get the day to day done and our goals and our our challenges, and we are, we work through all those things. Um, but we also have our drafting team in our office here. And we also have actually have a satellite office in India and they work when we sleep. So when we are in slumber in the United Mm -hmm. States, they are working. (laughs) So it's as if it's a 24 hour clock, not to say that things will get done astronomically fast, but it's so that one, if we miss something on one day and we can get it to the next day, they can assist. And we do a very well, do very well at working with them hands-on. Um, and, you know, our team is, has a lot of different backgrounds. There's people that do have interior design backgrounds. There's people that have architectural backgrounds. Um, and then we have like, obviously our administration assistance and any, any marketing assistance as well. But what's great is that they're all passionate about what they do and they feel strongly for those clients and strongly for projects that they are touching so Mm. um you know it's it's not just making clients happy it's also making your team happy and Mm. you know there's ways to go about that on many levels like different benefits or things like that but um to enjoy it takes knowing them it takes Mm -hmm. knowing them and um hearing them and seeing them um you know that 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 they have they feel valued yeah yeah and I think we don't have a very large team. We have eight people in our office in California, um, but we want to grow and we're able to grow. um, And that will just make us that much stronger and better. And we're excited that there's opportunities out there that are going to be able to let us do that. Mm -hmm. Um, And it is not just one person. I'll go back to what I first said. (laughs) Like it's not one person doing one, one job. It's, there's a team of people that do collectively assist on projects that um, either need to solve problems or resolve uh, situations and also make a beautiful design and beautiful architecture. And that's, that's what we want out of the work that we do. So. Can't ask for much more than that. <laughs> <laughs> and keeping the team um, excited and uh, motivated and I always think there's this rigor to design you know you need to be rigorous in your approach to it and you can't just um I just need to send my wife a message um yeah you, you need to have this rigorous approach to getting the best outcomes for your client as well as yeah. the best outcomes for the environment um yeah those kind of things as well Mm. Yeah, exactly. Mm. So I want to ask you a question about you. Okay. And um, 
If you had, I've got a couple of questions. This is going to be one of them. If you could only um, organize, you know, run, if there was one last project that the office could do, and then it, that was it, there's only one, and you can't use Tim's space station. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what would you are solely responsible for choosing this project? And that's it, it's done. It, once it's done, it's over you know you're never going to do this again you that it's job done what would you choose wow. to do to leave behind on this planet I immediately thought of my team what my team would want but I think you're asking very particular to what I would do so for me my last project would probably be a beautiful custom home for myself. I think what we don't do as the architects or architects and designers is if you not to say that every home's like this, but if you went to an architect or a designer's home, it's not what they design, it's not what they put out in the world. And for me to be able to design and build my own home that what I would want and that I would love, I think would be one of the best things to fulfill my Good. design and architect. Yeah. I like that. I like that. Um, when are you starting doing that? <laughs> I don't know. No, you don't need to answer that. You don't need to answer that. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't even know what I want yet. I know. I this is so interesting. Study. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Get out the Doman method. <laughs> but isn't it fascinating I always think that's such a fascinating question as to shifting your thinking um, to I've only got one opportunity left to do this um, what would I do with that opportunity and uh, I get some uh I get some amazing answers, amazing different yeah, answers I mean, I, from I people. Don't wanna, I sound selfish, but... No, it's, it's, it's not selfish at all. It's like it's what you choose. It's hard to say, like, I, I don't know if I'll ever be able to have the opportunity to, to custom build and design my own home. Like, I don't know if I'll have that opportunity. I would love to, and my fiancé and I talk about it all the time, and he loves that... You've got the opportunity. It. It's whether you um, realize the opportunity. Yeah. The opportunity yeah, so. exists. It um it, it's yeah, it's actually realizing it that makes the difference. And yeah, you know, like um you could at least build it in VR. I know. <laughs> so, you guys could get up in the morning. You know what is so funny? During 2020, when we were locked down, I designed an A-frame mountain home yeah. for myself. Yeah. And I put it in VR. Oh, really? It was so fun. Yeah. I don't even know where that file went, but it was, I just did it when I was in lockdown. I was lockdown. you know at home yeah. with my computer all the time and I designed my own little mountain home. And I have recently been up to the Sierras in California and uh, been in A-frame homes. And I'm like, oh, I love, I want that. I want this. And now I'm seeing it. I'm like, oh, I hope I can do that one day and build my own. But I did do that. I tried. Yeah, and that's so cool. Home, but, you know, that's so cool. You're able to do that if you have the the ability to i mean we have clients that yeah. ask for just renderings itself and say hey i want to change the exterior of this house what it will look like we yeah can do that. wow 
Wow, yeah. I love that. I love that. That's so cool. I think it's really fun when you do that um, because if you don't uh, dream it, you'll never dream it into reality as well. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, dreams are only dreams until you take action on them. Yep. But without the dream, there's nothing to take action on. So mm-hmm. I think it cuts both ways. Cuts mm-hmm. both ways. Okay, my last question is, in your home now, where you live now, what is your favorite space? My living room and dining room. I have a 1920s built home in Roseville, California. It has the original plaster coped ceiling walls all the way up to the ceiling. Mm-hmm. That's why I bought the house. Mm-hmm. I am very lucky to have a have received my grandmother's uh, mid-century modern sofa. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hope to reupholster it and do great things with it and refinish it and things like that. Keep it as original as I can. Um, but that space is, I'm in that space more than I'm in any other space other than my bedroom, obviously, because you sleep in your bedroom. But yeah. So that. tell me what emotion do you feel? What is that? What Tell me what that space feels like. You just described what it looks like to me. Mm-hmm. And then you started dropping a couple of little emotion pieces in there with the plaster work and then also the um, mid-century modern sofa. And that, and it had, um, you know, Providence that belonged to your grandmother, which was really beautiful. Mm-hmm. So how does it make you feel to be in that space? Well, right now it's my favorite season. It's Christmas. Mm-hmm. So when I sit in there, I, I my favorite thing is Christmas. I just love the lights, the glam, the the warmth. So I have, you know, the um, greenery on the mantle of the of the. You've dressed fireplace. it. It's dressed. Yeah, yeah. It's beautiful, and then there's beautiful arch between the dining room and the living room, which creates this open feel. Um, but it's soft and it's warm and it's inviting um but it's also calm and Mm. I just feel at ease in this space where I I don't feel like I need to continue to make it better it it's pretty good at how it is and I don't I think that's a a good feeling it's a good feeling for you Mm -hmm. that's all that matters yeah (laughs) so yeah it it gives you ease and it makes you feel calm Mm mm-hmm and I would say from what you said, because it's complete, it's it's complete as it is. You don't feel like you have to do more. I don't. I don't feel like that. And you can upgrade things. You know, there's always ways to do that. But I don't feel like it need, there needs to be fixes or changes mm-hmm. that need to happen. And when you're in a space that you feel that way and a homeowner is like, I don't like my current kitchen because of this, this, and this, you're living in it every day. So yeah. you're you have this a very emotional or detached feeling about it. Um, but I don't have that feeling ever in that space. So I love that. I love that. Does the volume of the space, um, does that make a big difference to that? Do you think if you're recreating that space, what would you what would you change? So this is if you're recreating that same hmm. feeling, 
in your A-frame, what would you do? Yeah. Um, that's tough because the styles are totally different. An A-frame house is different than a 1920s mid-century modern home. It is, but, but this, uh, the, the calm feeling, ease and that yeah. completeness, what would you do? I think it's, I think it goes down to the materials where you feel the warmth of maybe the wood on the ceiling where the, the A-frame is and it's all exposed. And then the furnishings have this, this really calm ease of light textures and um, a really beautiful fireplace that warms up the space and you're not overwhelming it with a lot of things. I think um, I grew up in a house that had pictures on every wall and furniture up against every wall. And I don't have that situation in my own home. So Ooh. creating and does that, that. Does that um, create more calmness for you? Does yeah. it keep it simplified for you? More simplified. And it, I will say I have been adding more things to walls, but in a very taste more tasteful way for, for my style i think your parents uh, will never listen to this it's okay I don't, I don't <laughs> they <know>. do. <laughs> if they do they'll be like what she didn't like this in our home <laughs> well they live in a different house now so <laughs> um no it's you know but they had a different style than i did and i didn't know what my style was until i bought my home last year like yeah, right. I, I had no idea what my style was going to be. And the home actually made me feel like I had a style once I was in it and I lived in it and I was able to get my grandmother's sofa and that really just helped bring the space to life and, mm. um, and personalize it, it and, yeah, and give, personalize it history, it. give it history yeah, and, um, honor your family, honor all that kind of side of it. I love yeah. that. I love that because yeah. it, I think of homes as being a collection of the chapters of your life. Mm. Uh, and, you know, you, you you kind of take bits from your childhood and from experiences and memories and all these things. And then you take fantasy and you add that to it as well. And yeah. you add your own traditions and ways that something happens, you know, and you create something that becomes a chapter of your life or uh, the location becomes a chapter of your life at that point. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, it, it's really cool. I really enjoyed that little um, therapy <laughs> session. That, like, that was a great question. I, I never thought of thinking of it like that. <laughs> um, you can do it equally with which piece do you hate in, a, in your house. Uh, it's interesting. I was talking to someone the other day and they were saying to me that They've just built a house and I didn't design it. They just built a house and they realized how much they'd overbuilt it um, based yeah. on where they were currently and yeah. feeling so hemmed in where they were currently. They just kept adding size to where they were going. And now that they're in where they're going, they're going, you know, it's beautiful. No, no issues there. It's beautiful. It's just big. Yeah. And they they're looking now and going, man, we could have, you know, maybe knocked a quarter of this house off in overall size, but it was a total reaction to feeling cramped before mm -hmm. and uh, their emotional state that they were in at that point versus where they were going. Mm 
So if they had virtual reality, they would have known that it was an expansive room or a too tall of ceilings or starting to I sound like Peter Tui. <laughs> starting to sound like Peter Tui. <laughs> I love Peter as well. Uh, um Jenna, what a bunch of gems, hun. I think that anybody listening to this is gonna gain so much from what you've described and told and shared and um, I'm sure we'll get people that reach out. They will. We'll get them in touch with you and it could be other architects even. It could be listeners of um, any genre that go, hey, you know, I want to know more about something. So um, for anybody listening, do feel free to contact us. Uh, You can contact us via the website, which is talkdesign.show and we will put you in touch with Jenna and we will also post on this episode every possible which way to get hold of her, except you will not get her cell number. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, just how, how to get hold of her at Doman. And uh, if you enjoyed this, go and listen to her boss, Timothy Alatori, talk about his space project. He is uh, leading the space race as far as uh, building in space. Um and creating a I'm going to say hotel because that captures people's interest but it's way beyond a hotel I know Tim would be like what do you mean you said a hotel (laughs) Um, that's like his worst that's his pet peeve is like he doesn't like yes it will be a hotel but then there's a lot more than that and so I (laughs) can listen to that as well so Jenna thank you for spending the time it's so beautiful to have this catch up I really I'm loved so it. Glad we could do this. Yeah. <laughs> Go and have a wonderful evening. Thanks. And Thank uh, I will talk day. to you soon. I will. Cheers, hon. Have hun. a good one. Talk Bye. soon. Bye. Richard's Magic Arrows is brought to you by the Architect Marketing Institute. Clean, simple, sugar-free magic arrows that hit the mark for fast results. Let's fire a magic arrow into this week's problem. Now, I know feed pressure is one of the biggest things facing designers it doesn't matter what level you're at. There is no one golden bullet for it. Uh, if it was, it was probably select the right type of clients. But if you're in a situation where you're being pressured on fees, I'm going to give you a way of dealing with it. And it's by asking, say, three questions. And this is called takeaway selling. So this is where you kind of offer something up and then you take it away and see if they follow you. It's almost like imagine if you had some hot ch- chocolate cookies and you had a plate full of them. You put them in front of them, someone and then they went to reach out and then you you pulled it away and you see if they get up and follow you. It's that type of thing. So this is called takeaway selling. So the first question you ask, you say, well, why don't you just leave the situation as it is? Why, why make the change? That's an unusual thing for a designer to say. Well, why not just leave it as it is? And see how they answer. And then you might say, why did you want to speak to me? Why did you not get someone else? And see if they follow you. See if they answer properly. And the third question would be, well, why not do it later? Now, by asking these negative questions, you're going to get a lot more information out of someone than by trying to convince them to do it. Because by pulling the plate of hot cookies away, they're either going to react or they're not. And if they do react and give you answers and explain why it's important, then what they're doing is telling you how important something is. Now, while these magic arrows are great for fast results, when you're ready to run better quality projects from clients who value great design and are prepared to pay great fees, I've got a special training just for you. Go to archmarketing.org forward slash talk design. Take your magic arrow. 
and fire at will.